We've been on this series, Spiritual Growth, and I say it's a series, it's really more of our theme, because um, it's probably going to be our series from now till who knows when. So it'll be a very, very long series, or it's just going to be our theme. Um, either way, um, it's all about growing spiritually. And even as we talked about things that went on this week, there, there is a level of growth that we all need. There is a place of um, spiritual development that we all need more of. We, we need to mature in not only our understanding of God, because whatever you think about God right now, I just want to tell you, he's bigger than that. There's more, more to him than what you know right now. Um, so we just want to continue to grow. And, and as we do that, God's going to continue to reveal things in us that he wants us to, to surrender to him. You know, I find that, you know, we talked about stress last week. And do you know, um, <laughs> when we were talking about stress, it was one of the most stressful weeks. And I promise you that God will give you opportunities to walk out the things that he's teaching you. And, and, he, and, and that's part of growth, you know. So as we, as we go through things, you're going to realize, okay, I'm going to have opportunities to put this into practice. So, you know, so what if we talk about patience today? What if we did that? Then you know this week, lines are going to be longer, traffic's going to be crazy. You're going to find yourself in areas where you can practice patience. But we're not talking about that this week. This week, it was funny because we were going one direction, and then halfway through uh, the week, and just as things were happening, the Lord really shifted me back to a place of just prayer. And we're going to talk about prayer today. And the reason we're going to talk about prayer is because I believe it's, nece- I believe it's necessary in the life of a believer. But if I was to uh, just put out a survey of the body of Christ, I feel like prayer, I, I think we talk about the importance of prayer more than we live it out. I think if you were to look at your everyday life, if I was to look at my everyday life, if the church overall looked at their everyday life, how often do we really stop and just pray? How, much, how many times a day do you stop and connect with God? We pray over meals. We might pray before we go to bed at night. But I'm telling you, there is a power that's in prayer that if we would tap into it, more often, it will change our life. And just like, you know, I grew up knowing, read your Bible, pray every day, you'll grow, grow, grow. Remember that song? Anybody remember that song? Okay, two of us. Well, you guys missed the song, a good old song. I'm not going to sing it for you. Um, but Brian, <laughs> no. but it basically what it said was, read your Bible, pray every day. And you'll grow, grow, grow. And you started out, it was, we sang it in kids' church, and you start out kneeling down the ground. And every time you say grow, you come up just a little bit. And it's just, that's the motions to the song. And, and it just talks about that's how you're going to grow. And I grew up knowing the importance of prayer. I grew up knowing the importance of getting in the word. But as we get busier and busier, as we have access to more and more stuff, right at our fingertips, right on our phones, wherever, you know, we have so much access to information that sometimes we miss. We miss going to God. I was talking with someone yesterday, and I was like, you know, we don't memorize Scripture as much as we used to. And I would encourage you as parents, I would encourage you, if your kids are young, teach them, 
Memorize scripture. You know, people have talked to me like, man, how do you quote so many scriptures sometimes? Well, when I got in trouble as a kid, my parents had me write out scriptures. So I wish I could tell you I'm just a godly spiritual kid. No, it was the opposite. It was true. I became godly the more I had to write these things out. Um, but you know what? The Bible, the word of God, it'll change you. It'll change you. But we, we have, because we can access it right here, we don't have to really know it. So because we can get information we need, we don't always, we don't always go to the Lord. And here's what happens. Tragedy hits, and then we pray, which is necessary. That's what you should do when tragedy hits, pray. But there are times even in your life when things go wrong and things don't go right, and then you stop to pray. And I want to encourage us that let's begin with prayer. And let's start out with prayer and, let, and let's realize how important prayer really is. Because you need to pray more than you pray right now. We all do. And prayer isn't always talking. Prayer is sometimes just listening. Prayer is that conversation you have with God. And sometimes, you know, I didn't realize this till the other day, but um, Patty's favorite verse, Psalms 46, 10, be still and know that I am God. We have so many of those sayings all around our house. I mean, I saw, you know, we had a, there was a uh, thing that she painted at one of the women's paint class things, and it says that there was another plaque, then there's this metal sign, and then in our bathroom, right there, right there, right there in the bathroom. I mean, even when you're just in there, whatever, you're just like, be still and know that I'm God. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Why? Because that's where it starts. Of you just being still with the Lord and knowing that he's God. And he's powerful. And he can do anything. And being able to connect with him. And understand the importance of that. Chris, can you come up here for a second? I was trying to think of how we could kind of really illustrate this. And Chris uh, is kind of my right-hand guy. And does a lot of stuff behind the scenes. And, um, and then when I get flustered about something... I just called him in and just, and then he's fine. Then I'm fine, and then he goes and cleans up. Uh, but, but here's the thing about, you know, we have a security team. We have a safety team, security team, and we have ushers, and we have different people. So that's what this radio here is, is for. Um, we have a security guy that walks the parking lot. We have, so we try to do things to keep everyone safe, you know, as much as we can. And uh, so in this, in this, um, with this radio, he has this on him. And you know what he can do? If he wanted to talk to somebody, all he has to do is just hit that button. Go ahead, just make a call. Security? Jose, will you come to the sanctuary platform, please? All right. He makes one call, and someone on the other end hears and responds. Right? That's one of our security guys. So... <laughs> Amen for that right there, brother. Yeah. Pastor, I got a problem. Hold up. Have you seen Jose? That's your problem. Yeah. So, but anyway, thank you. Thank you. But here's the point. All he has to do, he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to handle everything. He doesn't have to know what to do. If there was anything that brought concern to him, anything at all, it's like, oh, I'm not sure what's going on here. He just, hey, Jose, 
And boom, there he is. Do you know that on the other, the other end of your communication is the creator of this world? And at any moment in your life, you can say, hey, God, uh, I'm in trouble. And he's right there. He's right there. He's with you all the time. He's like, I got you. I got you. And he's bigger than Jose. I mean, God's big. And he'll protect you. He'll take care of you. He'll help you. But so many times we have, we have that on. And we've talked about this before. It's if, if we ever had a situation, there's been times where, you know, have you ever been in a situation where you just got caught up with, you got anxious, you got concerned, you got worried, and you realize, you know, you never did, you never did call. You never did ask for any help. You, never, you just kind of panicked, and at the whole time you had something at your disposal. You had, you had access to making a quick call to get help, but because we get so rattled. But you have this, it's not a, it's not a radio that you're actually carrying, but it is a connection you have with God the creator of the world, that at any moment you just say, hey, I need you. He's like, you got me. What do you need? I'm here. And there's scriptures that talks about the importance of prayer. Let's look at some scriptures. Romans 12, verse 12. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. And then look what it says. Keep on praying. Don't stop. Keep on praying. Look at Acts 2, verse 42. In the early church, the believers would get together. They devoted themselves to teaching to fellowship, to sharing in meals, even including the Lord's Supper, and to what? Prayer. Prayer was a vital part of the, of the early church. And then look at 1 Thessalonians <clears throat> excuse me, 5, 16 through 18. Always, now this is crazy. Listen to this. Always. It's not saying, you know, it depends. It's saying always be what? Joyful. Joyful. How do you do that? Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. <clears throat> then it says this. This is God's will for you. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful. And you know what it says about those things? That's God's will for your life. Do you know what? It's God's will that you walk with joy. It's God's will that you don't stop praying. In other words, keep connecting with me. That's what he's saying. Keep connecting with me. Keep interacting with me. And then be thankful. That's God's plan. It's God's will for us. So, so this whole idea of staying committed to praying continually. Continually. So that means we get up in the morning and you pray. Can you still, you know, now when I say pray continually, it doesn't mean that you just sit nonstop, Father, we just thank you for, and you just keep going on and on, and you're at, you're at work, and the boss is asking you a question, and you're just like, Father, I just thank you that in Jesus' name that you would just, I mean, there's, you can pray continually, meaning <clears throat> even while you're working, when you get those times where you have some time, or if you are facing something, and you're like, I don't know the, quite how to handle this particular situation that's before me, Lord, just give me wisdom. That's a quick prayer. Lord, just give me wisdom. Help me with this decision. We just got to bring God on. We just got to connect with him. Let him speak into our lives more consistently. Sometimes we wait till we have, we've done everything. We've tried everything. And then we ask him. Have you ever, probably more 
men than women. Have you ever driven around forever, lost? And then finally you ask someone for help, and then they tell you, you're like, man, I should have asked a long time ago. I'm 10 miles out of the way now. That's how it is. You know, why, why go through all your ideas, all your stuff, getting everybody just trying to figure everything out when you have God right there with you that can give you wisdom right there? Go to him first. Ask him. Prayer, that's what prayer is. It's, it's, it's bringing God in, allowing him to be part of it. So let's look at a few things that, that prayer does. I, I love this one passage in Matthew 26. And I want to read this to you. It says, then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. This is right before the crucifixion. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. So why was Jesus praying? He was getting ready to go through crucifixion. He was getting ready to face this difficult time in his life, a very painful time that he knew was coming. And he went before and he went to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief. This is what Jesus is saying about him. My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. One translation says keep watch. It says stay here, keep watch, and pray with me. He went on a little farther and bowed his face to the ground praying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them what? Asleep. He said to Peter, could you not watch for one hour? Keep watch and pray. Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left him a second time and prayed, my father, this cup cannot be taken unless I drink it. Your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they could not keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same thing again. Then he came to the disciples and said, go ahead, sleep. In other words, obviously, you're not going to pray. All right? Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. Look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. So this is the passage. Now, I want to tell you something that happened before and after this. Before, right before this, in the same Matthew chapter 26, in the earlier verses, right before this, it says that when Jesus talked about what was going to happen to him, and that they were going to come and they were going to take him. Peter stood up and said, no, uh-uh. And Jesus even said, Peter, you're going to deny me. And Peter said this to Jesus. I won't deny you. I will not deny you. I will die for you. I will die for you. That's Peter. I believe he meant it. That was his heart. He loved Jesus. He was always throwing his ideas out to Jesus. Sometimes they weren't even good ones. But he was very close to Jesus. So then he goes through this time of praying or sleeping when Jesus was praying. And then afterwards, after the, when they take Jesus, the disciples scatter and they come to Peter and say, hey, were you with Jesus? And what did Peter say? He said, no. Uh -uh. Then they asked him again. No, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even know who that is. Three times he denied him. And then the rooster crowed just as Jesus prophesied that when that happens, he will have denied him three times. And it says Peter wept bitterly. You know why? Because he just did the very thing he said he wasn't going to do. Now, 
I think between those two things, there's something that Jesus said to them in the garden that I think contributes a little bit. And when he tells the Peter and James and John, he says, listen, pray. And then he makes this statement. Your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. So, if, so yeah, all of us spiritually, we want to do the right thing. We want, to, we want to live for God. We want to do this. But here's the reality. We have this flesh in us that doesn't. We have this flesh in us that wants to live for us. We want to do what we want to do, when we want to do it, and the way we want to do it. And even as believers, that can be a very strong, that can be a very difficult place when you know inside this is what you want, but your flesh is saying all of this. And I'm telling you, I've seen even people that love God head the way of their flesh and struggle and, and fail and, and make poor choices. We've all done it. I've done it. We've all done it. Uh, I kind of want to do this, but, you know, I kind of want to. Because this flesh in us is strong. So one thing that prayer does that Jesus is helping them to say, look, if you want to overcome that flesh, you got to pray. Because your flesh, your, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. Your flesh isn't going to do the right thing. Your flesh is going to struggle. You're going to make decisions on your flesh. So you got to pray. You have to pray. So the things that you struggle with, places that, that you are in, you know, that you have difficulty in, even when it comes to your flesh, you know, whether it's anger, whether it's, you know, an addiction of some sort, whatever. Listen, let me tell you where it starts. It starts with you praying. Not just saying, I'm going to not do that, I'm going to stop doing that, because your flesh doesn't work that way. Jesus is saying, listen, pray. Because I know you want to do it, but you're not going to do it unless you have the strength that comes from me. So pray. Because your spirit's willing, but your flesh is weak. So it helps us even in overcoming the flesh. You know what else prayer does? It helps you in making decisions. You have decisions you're facing every day you make decisions. Every day. And those decisions, you can either make the decision and then pray, Lord, help me because I made the wrong decision. Help me get out of this. Or you can pray before and make the right decision. You know, so prayer, can, you can use prayer to prevent a wrong decision a lot of times. There's been times, even in ministry, that I thought, this is what, you know what, this is how I'm going to handle the situation. Only to find out, oh, I don't, think that, I don't think that worked. That did not go the way I thought it was going to go. And I've learned and am learning that I need to pray before I make decisions. So I make the right decisions. Look in Luke chapter 6. Verse 12, it says, One day, soon after Jesus went up on the mountaintop to pray, it says this, He prayed to God. How long? See, we're not talking about a little, God help me. Amen. We're talking about Jesus up there praying all night. I could give you scripture after scripture about how many times Jesus got away and he prayed. Everything that he did was, was out of prayer. You know how I know that? It's because he had to connect with God. Because he said, I only do what the Father tells me to do, and I only say what the Father tells me to say. In other words, you have to spend time with him to know what he wants you to do because that's what he's doing, and to know what to say because that's what he's saying. So he had this constant connection with his Father, and that is what... That's what he lived his life by, the connection he had. So there's a lot of scriptures that talk about this. 
But it says he went up there and he prayed all night. And then it says at daybreak, he called together all of the disciples and he chose 12 to be apostles. Then it goes on and lists them. So he's this decision of all these disciples he has, he's choosing 12. And that, though, that choice of who that 12 are going to be came out of a time of prayer. He came down after praying all night and he made the decision. Here's the 12. So when you're making decisions about your business, you're making decisions about your family, you're making decisions about you, you're making decisions about church, what church do you go to? You're making decisions about, you know, how you should respond to this situation. You're making decisions about how do you handle this. Can I just tell you, you need to stop before you make the decision. You need to spend some time with God and pray. And you'll watch how quick some of the decisions you just know. You just know this is is what we're supposed to do. And, it, and I'm telling you, God is faithful, and he'll, he'll, he'll show you and he'll help you. James 1, 5 says this, if you need wisdom, what do you do? Ask our generous God. That's prayer. God, I'm in a situation, I need, I need wisdom. And here's what it says, he will give it to you, and he won't rebuke you for asking. So he'll generously give you what you need. If you need wisdom, ask him. How many of you could use wisdom? I'm telling you, it's right there. So let's make this, let's make this a little bit, all right, at this uh, fellowship time we had last night over at the Hicks Place. I mean, this whole table, counter, console, island loaded with food. Loaded with food. If you go home hungry... That's your fault. I didn't. I left like, whew, I don't know if that was worth it. Even this morning breakfast, I'm like, I'm still burping cake. I mean, it's, it was a lot of food. I know, that was more information than you needed. But, but here's the thing. If you have everything right there and you're right there, and you leave hungry, then you can't get mad at anybody. can't get upset with the people who made the food because all they did, they put it right there for you to access, and you just didn't. So that's how the wisdom of God is. is listen, all I have to do is, it's, it's, I got plenty. You just ask. I'll give it to you. Hey, God, could I, I need some wisdom in this. Okay, there you go. And see, that's why sometimes we have to demystify this idea that God is this, I mean, he is this spiritual being and all that. But at the same time, to act like, well, yeah, but, you know, it's not like I can, he's just going to say, do this. I'm like, yes, actually he can. He, he can do that. He can reveal to you. And he can bring peace so you know what decision to make. The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. You can hear the voice of God. Now, have I ever heard his audible voice? No. You know, I, I wasn't awoken at 3 in the morning with, Scott, my man. I mean, I didn't hear all that. But I've heard the voice of God. I've heard God speak to me and say, hey, go pray for that person. Hey, encourage that person in this. Hey, reach out to that person. They're going through something. See, I've, that stuff's happened. And he'll speak that to you, too. Because he loves you. And he wants, he wants to help you more than you want him to help you. 
sometimes. He's, he's, that's how he is. So he helps you even in decision making. When you pray, there, you walk in a different type of confidence and power. Look at Acts chapter 3. Peter and John go to the temple one afternoon to take part in a 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a lame man from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. Now remember, this was, this was Peter who, you know, heart is right, wanted to see you know, he was going to fight for Jesus. He was going to die for Jesus and, and struggle. But what you didn't see is after you keep going is this re- restoration process with Jesus and Peter. And, and this restoration happened. And then you go through the beginning part of Acts and he's filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes down. And uh, in Acts 1-5 it says, listen, he tells the disciples, don't go anywhere until you receive this gift I've promised you. The gift of the Holy Spirit that will be with you. So now he's walking in a different strength than before, and, he's, and, and it says this lame, that he looked at the, at the lame man, he said, look at me. And the lame man looked at him eagerly, expecting some money. So the lame man is looking at him like, okay, he's got, he's got money. He's going to give me some money. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Look what happened. Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. Just as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with him. So here's the, here's, here's the thing I'm, I'm telling you about this thing with prayer. They were going to the temple to pray. That was something they regularly did. There was this connection. They, were, they had this regular time of prayer. that They would go in the afternoons and they would pray. That's what they did. And it's when you're doing that, all of a sudden, you realize you may not have everything that people think that they need, but you have what people really do need. You have the power of God living inside of you. So Peter didn't even budge by the, the whole idea of money. He's like, look, I don't have that. This is what you really need. In the name of Jesus Christ, and Nazareth, rise up and walk. Grabbed him by the hand, picked him up, and he was instantly healed. If you go on and read into chapter 4, it starts talking about the fact that Peter says, they says they were just ordinary men, but you could tell this about them. They've been with Jesus. That wasn't something that Peter said, hey, can't, can't you tell we've been with Jesus? Look at there. No, the people saw that. When you see this, this stuff happen, we can tell that these are ordinary men. No special training. That's most ministers. They don't have not any special training. They're just blessed their heart. Uh, But they've been with Jesus, and that's all that you need. They've been with Jesus, and this power came out of their life because they were connected to Jesus. They had this daily, they had this connection of prayer and time with the Lord. And it wasn't just our our typical everyday, God is good, God is great, or God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. You know, it was like, and if you pray that, that's, I'm not dogging that, that's great. Um, but what I'm saying is, is it was, it was a continual dialogue of every day, just like you talk to other people. Today's different. Today's a new day. Different. Talking about different things and just connecting, just, just bringing it before you. This is where I'm at. 
and connecting with God in a way through prayer. That's different than how we've done it before. Another thing that, that prayer does, and this is, I love this, uh, Acts chapter 12. I want to read this story. Because prayer, you can, you know, prayer helps you. But I want to give you hope today for people that you know who are hurting and struggling and, and need help. That your prayers for others are effective. Your prayers for others are effective. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. You know how many guards that is? Sixteen, all right? Four of four, 16. So he got a lot of guards protecting him. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. What do you think was going to happen to Peter? Because probably what had just happened to James, now he's going to wait till after the Passover and then deal with Peter. While Peter was in prison, the church did what? And how did they pray? Earnestly. They prayed with strength. They prayed with boldness. They prayed continually, fervently. That's how they prayed. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, see, that tells you something too. Have you ever been praying and it seems like God is waiting till the last minute to answer your prayer? You ever thought about that? Well, here it is. The night before Peter was placed to be on trial, <clears throat> he was asleep. He's fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrist. Now, I don't know how y'all wake up. Okay, if you're a morning person, like Patty, Patty wakes up, you know, she's like sleep, and then her son's like, okay. And she's, I mean, she's ready. I wake up, one eye moving. Squinting, trying to, do I want to get up? Is it, am, I, am I up? I mean, you know, you just kind of, I'm not as chipper right when my head comes off the pillow. And, you know, and so, so I'm kind of like, you know, but imagine Peter. He's sleeping. And when he went to sleep, he's changed between these two guards, knowing tomorrow, tomorrow's my day. Where I go before, I'll go on trial. I know what they did to, to uh, James. I don't know what what's going to happen to me. And he sleeps. And all of a sudden it's like, it's a bright light. And this angel says, hey, get up. All right. But what about, oh, they're gone. So he was chained up. And he gets up. And, and, the, and the angel told him, says, get dressed. Put on your sandals. Just put yourself in the situation. Guards, right? The, guards. He's like, okay, all right, what, what is going on? And, then, and, and he did. He said, now put your coat on and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel. All the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and the second guard post, came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. An iron gate 
that had to be open for you when you were allowed, whether you're allowed to come in or go out, then they would open it. But that iron gate was just like, just open right up. So they passed through. They started walking down the street. Then the angel left. So here's Peter, dressed, everything. He's standing there. And it says he finally came to his senses. He was like, uh, it's, it's really true. Like, I'm out. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. So when he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. So there's a lot of prayer going on. He goes there. He knocks at the door. A servant girl, Rhonda, come to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed. Instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter's standing at the door. Can you imagine being Peter like, hey, he's like, uh-oh, and then gone and leave him at the door. Completely shocked. Completely shocked that there he is. And, it's, and, and says, you're out, of the, you're out of your mind, they said. And she insisted. It must, and they said it must be an angel. That's what they thought. It must be an angel. There's no way Peter's there. Meanwhile, Peter kept knocking. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He mentioned for them to quiet down and told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what happened, he said, and then he went to another place. So here's this place of Peter, bound, ready to go before trial, and persecution has already been taking place. And, and it made it very clear that while he's there, the church is over here praying. And I mean praying. Praying earnestly. Earnestly, the church is praying. Look at uh, James 5, verse 16. That's on down a couple, but go to James 5, verse 16. It says, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other so that you may be healed. Then it says the earnest prayer. That's how the church was praying, right? The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So for us as believers, for us as, right, as righteous people in Christ, not because of us, but in Christ, our prayers are powerful and effective. If we're praying in, in God's you know, according to God's plan, and we're praying that, I'm telling you, there's powerful, it's powerful prayers and they produce results. And sometimes I think we just get busy, but sometimes I think that we, we, have, to, we have to continue to realize we, if we're not careful, we can think, well, yeah, well, that doesn't happen too much today or whatever. And we get nervous to pray because we don't know if those results can really come to pass. But that's why I just want to remind you that, you know, with God, all things are possible. Keep praying. Keep praying. Don't give up. Keep praying. You know, keep praying. Galatians 6, 9 says, do not get weary in doing good. Let's don't get tired of doing what's good. At just the right time, you'll reap a harvest of blessing if you what? Don't give up. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 11. Keep on asking. You'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you'll find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Let's go to 1 John 5, verse 14 and 15. We are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything. 
that pleases him. Again, when we pray, we pray according to the will of God. We pray according to the word of God. When you pray according to the word of God, according to the will of God, here's the thing, that you will have the things that you ask for. So since we know he hears us, when we make our request, we can also know that he'll give us what we ask for. When we're asking for the things that line up under the word. That's, that's a promise to God. So if you ask for wisdom, his word says he'll give it to you. And that's, that's, that's the proof that when you ask, you'll receive because that is aligned up with what his word says. So you continue to ask. You continue to believe and not give up. Psalm 65 verse 5. You faithfully answer our prayers with awesome deeds, O God our Savior. Faithfully answer our prayers. Look at Psalms 120 and verse 1. I took my troubles to the Lord. I cried out to him, and he answered my prayer. When you cry out to the Lord in times of trouble, he answers your prayer. If for us as a church, I really believe this. That the health, I, I've said this before when it comes to relationships, marriages. You know, when, whenever I do premarital counseling, you know, you have these two people come in and they're like, then two years later, like, oh, I can't stand him, you know. And, but in premarital counseling, they come in and this is what I tell them right off the bat. I said, I just want to tell you, if you want a healthy relationship, it takes two healthy people. So you're not going to be healthy by trying to fix that person. And they're not going to be healthy by trying to fix you. If you want a healthy relationship, you get healthy. You want a healthy relationship, you get healthy. Two healthy people will make a healthy relationship. It's the same way. You know what a healthy church is? It consists of healthy families. We can't be a healthy church unless we have healthy families. You can't have a healthy family unless you're healthy in your family. And we have to... Even I, I'm telling you, I do too. We can get very busy or we don't pray like we should. And I'm not telling you to pray in the sense of check something off your box. Okay, I have to pray every day. Okay, I did it. No, I'm talking about you understanding what you have and who you are connected with and what you have access to every day if you'll just connect. If you'll just connect with the Lord every day, what you have access to. If we, as we grow and as we get spiritually mature, more mature, and continue to do that, it is going to come as we, as we make the decision that we want to grow. And part of that is connecting with God. And some of that is, like I said earlier, some of that is just being still before God and, getting to, and letting him become real to us and realize the kind of God that we serve and how he's loving and kind and compassionate, how he accepts us just the way we are. You're pr you praying doesn't make you more spiritual. You praying doesn't give you a better standing with God. You praying connects you to God, who already loves you as much as you ever will. But it helps you process life completely different. It helps you connect with strength and power and hope that you wouldn't have anywhere else, that you won't find in a, in a human person. And that's why we have, to, we have to just take some time and say, you know what? 
we need to pray. We, we got to pray. You know, I wish I could quote to you some great theologian. But all I got is MC Hammer said, you got to pray just to make it today. That's why we pray. 